Well, Kenny Dillingham is gone, so what happens with Dante Moore or Jurion Dickey or any of the other offensive commits in 2023? Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day if you're watching on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks, which is why if you haven't already with all the stuff that will be coming from now until next season begins, including the bowl game, which we don't know at this point in time, keep liking, commenting, and subscribing wherever you listen to or watch this show. Thank you to everyone who has done so already. And my thanks as well to John Garcia Jr., our recruiting guru here at the Locked On Podcast Network. John, there is um, a lot of attention being paid to certain Oregon recruits. I imagine you don't need three guesses as to which ones those might be. So let's hop right into the thick of it. What should Oregon fans be feeling right now with regards to Dante Moore? Oregon fans should be cautiously optimistic surrounding Dante Moore. I believe, first of all, I know Look, Kenny Dillingham was an in, in, integral in landing Dante Moore. There's really no other way to spin that. The youth, the creativity, the consistency and communication that those two had with one another certainly uh, helped the case to bring Dante to Oregon for good when his recruitment ended late in the summer months. Uh, so, so that is apparent to to redistribute here first and foremost. However. Now with Kenny Dillingham gone, which Dante has already saluted on social media, of course, um, Dante is going to stay quiet. Uh, this is just his nature. Don't take his silence for some type of, uh, you know, packing up the car, gassing it up and getting ready to head to another school. Take it for what it is. He's a very reserved kid who is extremely smart and calculated. National Honor Society very much played the game in recruiting in terms of not letting the cat out of the bag as things moved forward and his own hectic recruitment as the number one player in the country. So because Dante so calculated, he will allow the ball to remain in Oregon's court. This is independent of anybody else who tries to get involved. We've all heard the reports of Michigan state dropping their quarterback commitment in an attempt to lure Dante Moore. We are aware that Michigan, the other in-state school for the Detroit native, does not have a true quarterback on the commitment list. They've got a dual-threat athlete who might play receiver, but nothing like Dante Moore on the commitment list. And obviously they're headed back to the college football playoff, I think independent of of a loss on on Saturday. I would agree. That's that's neither here nor there. So we are aware of the two in-state schools in that regard. But independent of that, and look, other schools are going to call, right? If you're Ohio State – your Notre Dame, make your phone calls, right? Why not? Number one player. Independent of all that, Dante's going to leave the ball in Oregon's court in the aspect of let's see how the deck is reshuffled here. Let's see who is brought in to be the primary play caller. Let's see how that process unravels over the next, I guess, days and weeks. We don't know for sure, but over the next days and weeks. And I believe Dante's going to give Dan Lanning and whoever the new OC is and everyone else on that staff, the benefit of the doubt through that hiring process and see what those relationships look like if and when the time comes to get on the phone and or 
you know, talk in person. Cause by the way, that part of recruiting is opening up. So I would imagine uh, Dan Lanning's got a flight scheduled to Detroit sooner rather than later to go sit down with the, the potential future, uh, future face of the program. So I do believe again, knowing Dante scouting him, covering him, talking to him and his camp, there's so much calculation here. So much so to the point that at one point the whole recruiting industry thought he was a silent verbal commitment to Notre Dame, but he's so calculated that he never publicly moved on that front until he knew 100% for sure. And then Notre Dame went through their coaching changes and presented something a little bit different than what he expected. So naturally he ended up at Oregon uh, after considering a bevy of schools throughout his recruiting process. So again, just because of who Dante is as a person, I think he gives Oregon all the benefit of the doubt in this transition. And then once that transition has been made, he will then reassess. Until that point, I don't think there's a whole lot of reason to panic. Uh, there's no other visits that I've seen. There's no other visits scheduled. Uh, Dante has told me that, yes, other schools have never slowed down. So it's not like it's not like the Dillingham move opens the door in total. Uh, other schools have already been knocking on that door. Again, even Michigan State having moved on from its other quarterback recruit well before Dillingham was even associated or, or hired at Arizona State. So he's already dealt with these other schools for quite a long time. And again, he was a high-profile recruit for quite a long time. This is a, a true freshman starter four years ago who has since won two state titles and, and played for a third while winning the Elite 11 for us and being named the number one player in the country. This kid has dealt with uh, just about every pitch there is in the country. So there's not going to be – I say all that to say this isn't a rash decision, knee-jerk reaction kind of kid. I think he's going to vet the entirety of this transition and go from there. That said, signing day is December 21st, and you know these schools are going to uptick their own effort and resources and communication with him, including pushing for him to make a visit to their campus and or those coaches trying to go in home – at Dante's house up in Detroit, once that door opens, I believe December 2nd, Friday, is when uh, coaches can officially go in home with recruits. So then that's another layer of, okay, let's see how that goes. How, how Who is received at the Dante Moore household? And does that lead to at least a visit or more vetting or, or due diligence at other schools, much less does that provide clarity with Oregon and the direction Dan Landing wants to go? He's always been very open, Dante Moore has, about how pivotal Kenny Dillingham was in, in his recruitment and getting him to Oregon. Since he committed to the Ducks, has there been any growth in, in his relationship with other coaches on the staff that, that you know of? I mean, Lanning's got to be the primary guy here as the head coach, but is there another coach, maybe a, a Junior Adams, a Carlos Lachlan, a Tosh Lupoy, who could become more involved with keeping him committed to the Ducks? Uh, Lanning goes without saying here, and, and that relationship has evolved. Dante is on record for two or three visits up to Eugene uh, at this point. Um, I wouldn't rule out another but before all is said and done. Again, especially if this move is made later rather than sooner. That That's where it gets tricky, right? If you're Dan Landing, you're like, hey, I need to find the right person, but also the sooner the better in regards to holding on to this number one player. So there's an interesting back and forth on his level. But I do know, yeah, he's fond of a lot of coaches there 
at Oregon. He, he mentioned a lot of the people there beyond coaches. So you're talking staffers, hosts, hospitality folks, um, the, the teachers, the professors, the academia element of all of this. He, he was a fan of, of almost everything there and kind of the new feel and, and presentation that he got. So it was never linked to just one person. Certainly Kenny was the, the first person in line in, in that regard, but he wasn't the only person. So again, there is confidence in the future of Oregon period relative to Dante Moore. Uh, so I do think that uh, there's, again, some comfort in that from the Oregon perspective. And again, I, I just think he's going to give them all the benefits of the doubt before any other decision is made, whether it's considering another school or even ending up at another school, Oregon's going to have its opportunity here. And, and as a Duck fan, that should be where, where you want things. We see coaching changes happen seemingly every week, and we see kids decommit seemingly minutes later. That's not going to be the case with, with Dante. It's obviously already been several days and he is still very much uh, a duck verbal commitment. And I also wouldn't underestimate the rest of the commits. Um, this is a class that has grown. This is a class that is, is nationwide at this point. A lot of states are represented on this commitment list. And on the offensive side, again, Dante's the, the ringleader. I, I think because he's not so outward with it and he's not so public with it, we don't associate him with being the ringleader of, of this Oregon group of verbal commitments. But Behind the scenes, he is. You know, you talk to Jerry on Dickey, talk to Kozar, talk to uh, Dante Dowd, all these other players. It, say when he committed, he jumped right into that into that role. Um, ironically enough, that was his whole goal for this season, which is why you, you haven't heard much from Dante. He all he talked about after all the accolades of the offseason was just leading, and and he done he's done so as high school, winning a state title just uh, just the other day, four TDs, no picks in that game, by the way. And now that's going to translate over to, to the future of, of, of you know, his team, which right now is the Oregon Ducks. So all of that stuff is not to be underestimated. Peer recruiting is, is pivotal for new targets, but it's also pivotal for retention and holding on to the guys you have. That's why Oregon has been one of these programs that has not gone through waves of decommitments, even with the ups and downs of a first-year coaching staff. And now – changes within that staff you know less than 12 months into into how how long it's been assembled so i think that says a lot about some of the the players that oregon has on board uh and and some of the kind of peer communication between them to kind of say hey let, let's vet this thing and let's stick it out and see what happens well there's another player that duck fans have at the front of their mind with regards to kenny dillingham leaving we'll talk to john about Jurion Dickey and maybe a couple other offensive players as well after I talk to you about Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or you can use your mobile device as well to learn more mobile device is how you actually pronounce those words as opposed to whatever I said a moment ago. But regardless of where you look at it, bet online is where the game starts. So, John, the other five star in this 2023 cycle for the Ducks verbally committed right now is jury on Dickey. And that's the other name that Duck fans, I think, fairly because I'm in that category as well 
are thinking like, is that someone who now is going to continue to weigh his options? We've talked about it for the last couple months here on the show about how, you know, he takes interest from other schools, but still appears to be an Oregon lead. My sense is that because he's been committed for so long and has never, you know, seemingly got that close to, to decommitting and going to another school or seriously opening up his options, I'm not as worried about him as I am about the potential of Dante Moore flipping out of uh, of his commitment to his verbal commitment to the Ducks. What do you make of of where the Ducks are at with, with Jerion Dickey? The difference there, Spencer. Well, two things. Obviously, one. Look, his position coach is still there, right? Uh, Jerion Dickey's as right. big a fan of Junior Adams as any of those commitments to their position coach is at this point. So I think that's huge to consider in looking at the possibilities of of his departure. But two, Jurion has taken visits since his commitment. So I think that's the biggest difference between him and Dante. And there are other schools trying to get him to take more, which he has not completely shut the door on just yet. So I think it's a different worry. It's it's not so much tied to Kenny Dillingham as it is tied to who else is trying to get involved. Will he take these? When will he sign? That now becomes... A bigger question with Jerry because he told Max Torres, our, our our mutual friend, that he might wait out this thing till February. So now that's an entirely different discussion. With Dante, three weeks from now, everything will be done one way or the other, right? Now with Jerry on Dickey, it, it's, it's a couple months from now, everything will be done. And I think that's where the simple window of opportunity is much larger. And that's why we've seen a fluctuation of schools that have been involved with him. I remember mid-season or early season, I was, I would say, I was hearing, of course, we were all hearing about Miami, right? The primary threat to Oregon in, in this recruitment, j- dating back to Jaden Rashada and a lot of other variables that have since changed. Now we don't hear so much Miami. We heard Louisville a little bit, but now it's like Tennessee and Texas A&M. So it is totally flipped on its head. Programs feel like that door is slightly open uh, to the point where they might be able to get visits out of Jurion. Now, again, none have been set. There are none in the works today, as far as I know. But if and when that changes, I do think it has a different feel than Dante Moore, where it's it's more conventional. It's, hey, I'm coveted. My stock is up. I'm committed to this school. I love this school, but what else is out there? Um, I, I do think some of that could be explored, especially if he signs in February, which again is the plan at last check. Now, if that changes and he signs in December, this thing's close to done, right? Because we would already start to hear feelers from other schools. Hey, th- this kid might visit uh, the first weekend or second weekend of, of December, etc. Hadn't heard that. It's been really quiet on the Dickey front outside of what he has confirmed. And again, now those schools are are newer to the game. We, we were never involving AM or Tennessee with with Dickey. It was Miami. It was schools on the West Coast. It was Louisville at one point. Uh, So these are new schools that feel like they have a shot. So this has come and gone for Dickey in different ways. So this could either be another example of that that just happens to be around the same time that the coordinator change was made, or it could just be, hey, this is heavy. This is something to consider because a visit's about to be set. But until the visits are set with both of these guys, there's really no reason to worry. And again... Even if trips are to be made, there's nothing written down saying that it means these kids are going to depart the class. There is certainly 
a galvanized feel around the Oregon Ducks at this point. This recruiting class has bought into that for the most part. And as far as I know, it's still being led by those two guys, Dante Moore and Jerry on Dickey. Uh, so I think the bigger risk would be if the bigger question would be if one of those one or two of those make a decision elsewhere, does that crack the whole class? Is, now, is there now an exodus? You know, I think that's the bigger worry long term. But in the short term, until visits are set, uh, they're, they're ducks until otherwise. What about the other offensive players in the cycle, the Ashton Cozarts, Dante Dowdles, Kenyon Sadiqs of the world? Now that the offensive coordinator position is currently not filled, is that something that has to be done sooner rather than later to keep these guys on board? Or is their commitment respectively to to Oregon, you feel, stronger than, than just Kenny Dillingham? I think all of their commitments are stronger than just Kenny Dillingham, but certainly you worry about some more than others, right? Especially when you go outside the region where you know these kids are still coveted. And so Dowdle becomes probably the next guy that I'd focus on because one, this is the, maybe the top offensive player in Mississippi, right? This is a totally across the country. And simultaneously, the schools closer to home have not slowed down. Ole Miss was supposed to have him on campus Thursday for the Egg Bowl, he had a playoff game, so he didn't go. But there's a plan for him to get to to another Ole Miss visit. Mississippi State has recently offered and hosted him for a visit. There was Tennessee talk and Georgia talk at one point. Both schools have since added running back commitments. So maybe the, the worry is lesser from the SEC East. But the Western schools, the schools in the state of Mississippi are still very much pressing for Dowdle. There's now more Auburn conversation around his name because Cadillac Williams has been retained at Auburn. Um, Obviously, that name has cachet in that part of the country in particular. So I think if he continues to take visits, he becomes the one to keep an eye on. But that was probably going to happen independent of Kenny Dillingham's status. Uh, Those schools were always going to push and double down on keeping a big, powerful downhill back in SEC country. So that that will be kind of a case study in and of itself. But Dowdle's definitely one to keep keep on radar. Although, again, he's saying all the right things about Oregon. He loves uh, Carlos Lachlan. I think that is is one of the bigger uh, position coach to, to recruit, um, you know, relationship that there is on this commitment list. But it will be tested before, before all is said and done. It's already been tested, right? He's been to Ole Miss. He's been to State. Other trips could go down. So surviving that, I think, will be a, a really important recruit uh, recruiting story to follow here ahead of Sunday. I think the appeal for, for Dowdle now at Oregon is you have Byron Cardwell in the portal. Sean Dollars is probably I, – I don't know that for certain. This is just speculative on, on my part. I expect a guy of that talent who saw – the amount of action he did this year to probably end up in the portal as well. And yeah, you got three good running backs there, but Dowdle looks like a a really good one himself. And I mean, just on a thought I had while you were talking like Mississippi state, like how does Mississippi state get the top running back in the state, the top offensive player at that position, if it's a wide receiver, a quarterback. All right. I, I understand that. But when, you know, Ole Miss, I understand more because they made a commitment to running the football this year. But, man, if you're a running back, I just look at Mississippi State and think, if you're trying to get to the league or really showcase your talent, that is maybe not – like, who was the last Mike Leach running back to go in the first three or four rounds of of the NFL draft? Like, Max Borgie, I think, was an undrafted free agent. He might have been a later-round selection. I don't remember. Right. But, I mean, that's just – 
that, that that's just something that that pops that pops to me. Am I nuts? No, no. Look, and they're they're selling him on the right thing, saying, "Hey, we want to run the football more going forward." Will Rogers won't be on this roster beyond this year. Um, and and look, they're they offered the other day, right? So this is maybe fine or retooled philosophy, Mike Leach, or at least that's how they're presenting it to Dowdle to, to keep him uh, potentially win state lines. But yeah, I, I think Ole Miss is a bigger threat. Previously, I thought Tennessee actually could have presented as a primary threat um, in that regard. But again, they just picked up a big time uh, running back commitment from another kid who was committed to another school, Khalifa Keith, a bigger physical downhill back who was committed to Kentucky, flipped over to Tennessee just last week. So that was probably inadvertently good news for the Ducks on that front. Looking at the offensive coordinator situation now, John, there's you know no head offensive or top offensive coach on the staff since Lanning is a, a defensive guy, and there are a lot of different directions that that I think he could go with that particular hire. I, I have confidence in him because he found Kenny Dillingham, and yeah, look at the staff. Know, he's right? talked about yeah, he, he's talked about <laughs> how he's he's got a rolodex of uh, of coaches that he's just accumulated over the years of like I like that guy, I like that guy, I like this guy, and whatnot. So. I have some confidence there, but how important is it, do you think, for this Oregon staff, as it currently looks with Dan Lanning, Junior Adams, Carlos Lachlan, Tosh Lupoy, the transfer portal being a factor here as well, how important is it, do you think, for Oregon to have an offensive coordinator who can recruit at a high level? Do you think it's paramount, mildly important, or doesn't really matter as much because Oregon could get players regardless? No, look, when you've when you've got the the defensive head coach, that, that OC has got to be a great recruiter. I think it's something that we've seen uh, work so successfully. Just think of the last few national champs, right? Georgia, defensive-laden head coach, uh, has had a stable and strong offensive coordinator in Todd Monken over the last several years. That has absolutely helped them recruit nationally, Georgia, uh, from an offensive standpoint. The year before, Saban won it. I mean, gosh, his OCs, they're all head coaches now. But those OCs, Lane Kiffin, Mike Loxley, um, you know, those guys certainly Sark. Yeah. Sark, my goodness. Those guys certainly built their own, I would say, branding of bringing in offensive talent and 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 kind of assimilating it to their systems. Even back to that LSU team in 19, uh, Ed Orgeron, certainly more of a CEO in general, but defensive minded in nature. Uh, and, he, and he had some really critical OC players, including Joe Brady, uh, who, who really opened that thing up and allowed for a higher ceiling from a recruiting perspective. So in the talent acquisition age that we're in, yeah, if you're a defensive-minded head coach, you've got to bring in that OC who who gets it, who can also recruit. Um, usually one translates to the other. If you're a great play caller, it kind of recruits itself, if that makes sense. Um, but, of course, nowadays the, the more recruiters you can have on your staff – the better you'll be. But again, as you mentioned before I started rambling here, look at what Dan Lanning's already done at Oregon. Every single one of those assistants is known primarily, I would say primarily as a recruiter, uh, even Kenny Dillingham. He was known as a young dynamic recruiter who crushed the relationship game. And and, and that has only been proven further, uh, you know, in the last six months or so landing a Dante Moore and, and winning out in, in this Arizona state coaching search. So, I do think it's in Dan Lanning's nature anyway to hire recruiters uh, who who can supplement with whatever their title may be under him uh, as an Oregon Duck coach. I want to ask you about Oregon's most recent commit on on the defensive line. Johnny Bowens is 
coming in in the class of 2023, assuming he doesn't, you know, flip at the last second. But when you commit this late in the process, kind of feels yeah. like it's unlikely that he would that, that he would go elsewhere, or get, uh, get get attracted elsewhere by another school so late in the game. But I mean, I guess it's not impossible and such. But he's coming in at a position group that is pretty stacked for Oregon in this class. Terrence Green, Amari Washington, Jaden Moore, Tatum Tuioti, like a lot of players on that defensive line. I think you can see very clearly what Dan Lanning and company are, are trying to do. And the defensive line, of course, just got moved around for, you know, a, a half against Oregon state that we don't sure. need to mention any further. <laughs> so what kind of player is, is Johnny Bowens? Is that a guy who, you know, is one day going to be a solid starter? Is he, you know, I mean, he's a four star, but like, like that, that can go either way. That can be, he needs sure. a year or two to develop. Is he an instant impact guy? What What's Oregon getting with, with their latest verbal commit here? I think there's some instant impact in his game. You know, he's, he's got an incredible frame at, uh, you know, 6'4 or so, 275 pounds. And his game translates that way. He's got some inside-out ability. He, he actually, on Friday nights, works as more of an edge defender at that size and actually wins with quickness and speed in the state of Texas, no less. So you're already winning on the edge with a bigger frame. So for me, it screams push that guy down inside and let him work against typically less mobile interior linemen and allow him to utilize that quickness, even though he profiles physically as more of an interior guy. So as he kind of rounds out as 285, 290, whatever he's going to be at the end of the day, I do think he's going to have this inside out game where he can actually rush the passer from the interior, which really just throttles a game plan, right? Because when you, you, you expect your interior defenders to win with power and technique and leverage, which is great, right? Still absolutely does the job, helps collapse the pocket. But when you're spinning off of a guard and you're in the quarterback's face before he's done with at the top of his drop here, now you're really disrupting a play. So I think he's got that kind of a ceiling. Uh, he's fleet of foot for his size. You, you, you watch him play and then you look at his listed weight and you're like, wow, that's, that's, that's kind of impressive. He's got the spin move. He can bound. He redirects very well. He can get skinny at times with with leverage. So I, I really like the pass rushing and modern day profile of a Johnny Bowens and how he might complement exterior pass rushers as an interior pass rusher. Um, certainly, when you play inside, you have to be known, you know, for stopping the run. And I think he could play the gaps and and gamble in the right direction more times than not. But really. Uh, when we talk about great interior players, can, can you put pressure on the quarterback against a 325-pound guard? And I do think Johnny Bowens has that type of upside. Sounds a little bit like Brandon Dorless, kind of that you look at him and say, oh, that's right? an interior defensive lineman, but he's got just enough of of a thinness to him. He's just twitchy enough, just quick enough to maybe go on the outside from time to time. And Oregon certainly figures to lose Dorless after the season to the NFL, unless unless he really feels like there's unfinished business, which which of course there is for this Oregon team, but he's a guy who's probably a I don't know what third ish round round draft pick. I I would guess guys, like he, yeah yeah I, I I would imagine as much. So I won't won't hold out too much hope there. But we got some hope today from my guy John Garcia on the Dante Moore Jerry on Dickey front. We'll continue to cover both because. Nothing is set in stone, and it continues to evolve. Recruiting is a 24-7, 365 endeavor, which is why we are so happy to have you, John. Thank you so much, as always. Thanks for having me.
Appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, everybody, and go Ducks.